As we rise and go to Jesus, uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in a couple of places this morning. We're going to start with the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah 9, uh, where again we're going to see much of this triumphal entry story kind of get its genesis. Uh, We're going to look at, although this triumphal entry story is in all four of the Gospels, one of those stories that has made each one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, will tell of this story. We're going to be looking primarily at the Gospel of Matthew. There's one little piece I'm going to pick up from the passage of Luke. So we're going to be in those three texts this morning. Who is this? Who is this? And I love that that's the question embedded right in the middle of the triumphal entry story is the question that people are buzzing about. Like, who is this? Who is this Jesus? The, the city was buzzing about Jesus' arrival. And, and obviously when they're asking a story like that, there is a story behind the story. Because there's more than just the fact that here's some guy showing up on a borrowed donkey. Some guy who saw showing up on a borrow a donkey. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even a fancy donkey, kind of a beast of burden who's riding it without even a saddle. And here are people singing Hosanna. And as I told the young people, really that's crying out saying, Messiah, save us. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what they're doing, it's so cool. They knew what they were quoting they were actually quoting Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. So again, like all of the stories of Jesus, there's a backstory, and And there's, we look at the Old Testament that shines light on what is happening here and gives us a context and an understanding of why these people were screaming what they were. Hosanna, save us, rescue us, son of David, save us now. It was what they were declaring. So what do you expect to go and see? So if you're, let's put ourselves there in Jerusalem. There's an uproar. You're wondering, who is this? What's going on? Could this be the one? And you run out there and you want out to see who's going to be this promised king in the line of David? Who's going to be this one? And then their mindset is, who's going to be the one that's going to be so mighty and powerful that they are going to topple Rome? That these Romans that seem to be oppressing us, who do they think they ran out to see? And I know this is a little bit of a dated movie, but have you ever seen the movie Braveheart? I mean, William Wallace, you know, riding that big white horse, you know, that that horse with a huge sword, I mean, and the war paint on his face. I mean, didn't you think he'd go out there and say, this is what I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see this mighty warrior, this incredible king. And they go out and they see this fellow riding on a donkey. And he's really humble. And he's really gentle. And he's meek and lowly. <laughs> and you probably say, who's this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hosanna to the Son of God, to the Lord, the Son of David in the highest. Who is this? Well, because why were they asking this? Because this is King Jesus. wasn't the type of king that many were looking forward to seeing. What is going on? Well, this Palm Sunday, as we begin Holy Week, and this is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there was a lot of expectation of who Jesus was or who Jesus is. There was a lot of expectations of what Jesus would do. 
I mean, there was a buzz that was circulating, the miracles and just raising Lazarus and all the things that he had said recently in the temple. Could this be the one? Expectations were so high at the beginning of the week. They couldn't be higher. I mean, how does a week start? Hosanna, save us, son of David. Save us, promised king in the line of David. Blessed are you, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, expectations of who Jesus is and what Jesus would do did not meet their expectations. And amazingly, in just a few days, the cries of Hosanna are replaced by the cries of crucify him. Crucify him. And ironically, it's through Jesus' crucifixion that he did save us and answered the cries of Hosanna But, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me not preach that. Let's let that unpack here. But what are our expectations? Our expectations of Jesus, I'm sure you've had them in your life. How has he met those? How has he exceeded those? How has God's plan for you collided with your reality of what you thought your plan should be? Our expectations of Jesus and the reality of his Father's eternal plan, when they collide, they're going to collide at this holy week. And may we all be able to answer the question, who is this? Who is this Jesus? See, the world will never be the same as it was in this week. The world will never be the same, and neither will our worlds as we see Jesus rightly. There's three things I want us to see this morning. The first one is this. The promise of our coming king. Who is this who makes this promise? And in Zechariah 9. And what is promised is pretty startling of what this king is going to do. And then we're going to see the arrival of the promised king. And lastly, may we marvel of our blessed king and who he really is. So Zechariah 9, uh, the prophet Zechariah, I'm going to pick up just two verses there. We're going to read Zechariah 9, 9 through 11, and then we'll turn to the Gospel of Matthew, read the account, Matthew 21, 1 through 17, and then one verse Uh, Two verses in Luke. But let's be mindful, whether we're in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the prophet Zechariah, the Gospels, wherever we are, this is God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. We can trust the word of the Lord. Hear the word of God. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble. And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow bow, bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Let's turn to Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, as we just read, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl, the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey, the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And as Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons, he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to him, Yes, have you never read, he quotes Psalm 8, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out and lodged in the city of Bethany and lodged there. Now let's pick up a little bit more of the story in Luke. Luke 19, verses 41 and 42. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, what an incredible story of the arrival, the triumphant arrival of your son on a donkey, a borrowed donkey. And God, as those last words we read in the Gospel of Luke, that the truth that had arrived, your son, our Savior, was hidden from many eyes. That they didn't see the reality of who Jesus is. The question was ringing out that day. Who is this Jesus? It's an incredible question in the midst of those who are singing your praises, whether they were the young children of the temple or those that Jesus said, the rocks are going to cry out if they don't, that they were saying, save us, son of David, Hosanna in the highest. And yet there was great confusion of who you are and what you came to do. This confusion was so great, Jesus that the same crowd that would sing your praises today would cry out, crucify, in just a few days. So God, what is clear is that we, each one of us here, each one of us viewing online, each one who could hear this sermon, that we, we need to know who is this Jesus, who he is. So God, would you do that which only you could do? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? God, would you give us ears to hear his voice, your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word so that we know who this Jesus is? And God, would you give us hearts to embrace the truth of your Son, our Savior, Jesus? God, would you give us feet 
that could walk in a manner worthy of the name of the Son of David, the King of Israel, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only Savior of the world. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said are true and contain the good news of the gospel. May you use those things to help us marvel at your love and grace for us that is so clearly seen in the face of your son, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. Okay, three things. We're going to look at the promise of our coming king. What does Zechariah really promise? Who is this that Zechariah really promised? We're going to see the arrival of our promised king. As he comes, what does it really mean? And then lastly, we'll be marveling at who our blessed king is. The first thing is the promise of our coming king. And we see this. The one who's going to come, he's going to be a righteous king. Good news. This king is going to be righteous. He's going to be holy. He's going to do the right thing. But he's also going to be humble and lowly. So what you see throughout the Old and the New Testament about this king is he is humble and lowly. He's gentle, but he's also high and holy. And when you think of a king that we need, a king that we can understand, a king that can rescue sinners like us, that's exactly the combination you need. You need one who's humble, who's gentle, who gets us, who's lowly. But not just one who draws near to us, but one who's able to rescue us, to save us, who's high and who's holy. And the promised king is coming. And by the way, it says he's going to be, he's humble, he's going to be mounted on a donkey. Interesting image that God chooses to use. And it says he will have salvation. Salvation for the prisoners. This is such good news to all of us. It'll say, having salvation is he, in verse 9. And then it goes on to say this, very interesting, at the, in verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set prisoners free from the waterless pit. Because of this blood of this covenant, I'm going to set free those who are in hell, those whose life is in a pit. This is Jesus. As we read through Scripture, one thing we realize about a holy God, he says this, there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. That sin is so repugnant to holy God. I mean, sin needs to be dealt with. I mean, it's, it's not enough that we just say, God, forgive us. And he says, okay, no big deal. There has to be some shedding of blood. And that, that whole system of the Old Testament, all the sacrifices, the blood that was everywhere of the bulls and the goats, and they all pointed to a sacrifice that would eventually work. And it was Jesus. So when it's incredible and it talks about this covenant, Jesus is the fulfillment that the prophet Jeremiah would say hundreds of years before his arrival, that, that Jesus is the, the fulfillment of this new covenant that God is going to make with us through the shedding of his blood, that we are set free. So what is promised in Zechariah? A king who will come who's righteous. A king who will come that will set us free. A king will come that will set us free because of the blood of the covenant. And you realize, wow, that is his blood. He not only promises to set us free, such good news, he also promises for peace. And not just peace for anybody, but watch this, peace for the nations. It says in language, it's probably hard for us to put our arms around it first. It says this king will cut off the implements of war. He's going to bring peace to God's people, Ephraim and Jerusalem. The battle bow is going to be destroyed. The, the, the chariots are going to be gone. 
So and not only that, he's going to also bring peace to all the nations. I mean, what a mighty king is this, right? I mean, who can bring peace to the nations? And then we see, well, how does this king who's going to bring peace to you and to me and to all nations come in? He comes in holy, humbly. He comes in riding, mounted on a donkey. I, I, I want you to see throughout this entire sermon the amazing contrast of who Jesus is. I mean, you think he's both gentle and lowly, humble and lowly, and high and holy. It's interesting it says that he comes in on a donkey. And there's a lot of reasons to say, well, what is up with a donkey? Why does he come in on something? Well, because, yes, he's gentle and lowly, but there's more there, I believe, with the donkey. Let me just tell you a little bit more about what the Bible it tells us about the leaders of God. In the book of Judges, when God raised up judges before there were kings, the donkey's favorite mode of transportation was donkeys. As you read through the book of Judges, you're going to find out that they hung out and they rode around on donkeys. And oftentimes they say, oh, here comes our judge. Our judge is riding on a donkey. And maybe, again, communicating gentleness, lowliness, fairness. But here you have Jesus who chooses a donkey. Now, here's the ultimate thing. It's so cool. Jesus is both the judge, the ultimate judge, but he's also the judgment. He's the sacrifice. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the one who came to give peace to us and to all nations. He is the God of peace. And here you have the ultimate judge coming as the ultimate judgment, that he himself is going to offer his life as a sacrifice. What was the promise? Who is this that's promised so much? Not only will he save us, he's going to bring peace to the world. Not only that, he will have a rule to the ends of the earth. It says in verse 10, he shall rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This Jesus that's called in the gospel of John, the king of Israel, is more than just the king of Israel. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Lord of all. His rule and reign is here today, and his rule and reign will have no end. And it's going to be from shore to shore. It's a glorious, never-ending, always-growing kingdom of our great God. That is what was promised, the promise of our coming king. He's going to be righteous, humble and lowly, high and holy. He's going to bring salvation, peace, and his rule will never end. And then we have the arrival. The second thing is the arrival of our promised king in Matthew 22. And again, the question is asked, who is this blessed king? Who rides into town on a borrowed donkey? We've placed all our hopes on this one. This is really him. The cry of the people again, save us, son of David, Hosanna and the highest. Save us, Messiah. They realized that he was high and holy. They realized that this Jesus, they were smart enough to know that, that the prophecy was a king to come in the line of David. That the true king of Israel, the true king that God has promised, the true Messiah, was going to be connected in the line of David. Hosanna to the son of David. This is the promised Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But this one, it's incredible. Not only is he a son of David, he's also David's Lord. And he is the one who's greater than David. In Psalm 110, in Psalm 110, it quotes David. It's David's Psalm. And he says, the Lord said to my Lord that I'm going to sit here at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. 
And I love it because Jesus himself, stick with me here, Jesus himself said, how does David call his son, how does he call him Lord? How can we have a Savior that is both the son of David and also David's Lord? And so we see in this beautiful thing that Jesus, he's more than just the one who's blessed, who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the one who is the Lord. He's God in flesh. I mean, he's the one who's so much greater than King David. He is the one that we should sing, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Because why? Because this Jesus is God in flesh. What was it saying about us, the arrival of this promised king? Not only is he a king in the line of David, but he's a prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. When they asked the question, who is it? Well, they called Hosanna. He's king. But they said more. It was kind of interesting. He's prophet. And he's a prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It's interesting what they thought about the Galileans. This is, this is what New Yorkers in the city of New York think of people like me that grew up in upstate New York. They're all backwoods. They're like, you know, they're Canadians. They, they don't know anything. I mean, the real sophisticated people live in the city. I mean, those are the, the people who know stuff. And the people who don't know anything, they, they're, they're up there in that upstate area, right? And so here you are in Jerusalem, the hub, the center, Zion, the city of David. And they're like, here comes a prophet. And by the way, he's from Nazareth up in Galilee, up in the backwoods. This is, a, I mean, whoa, low-end prophet right here. I mean, you talk about someone who's barely a prophet, somebody up there. As a matter of fact, I love it because uh, uh, in the Gospel of John, in John 1.29, when a man named Philip goes to a friend named Nathaniel, and he says, hey, we found the Messiah. We found the one. We've long awaited the Messiah. Come, you've got to meet this Jesus. Uh, and he says to them, uh, hey, we, we found him whom, the, the, whom Moses and the law is, and the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And here's the response. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> All these backwater folks? I mean, really? He's from where? He's from Nazareth? And he, what, what does Philip see? Come and see. Come and see Jesus. You see, this promised king had a unique office. He was not only a king who's going to rescue us, He's a prophet. And what does a prophet do? A prophet speaks for the Lord. A prophet is somebody who says, thus saith the Lord. They have a unique mouthpiece that God is going to use them to speak God's word. But this prophet doesn't just speak for the Lord. This is so cool. This prophet, Jesus, he speaks as the Lord because he is the Lord. He is God Almighty. The, the book of Hebrews starts off this way. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. It says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to us by our fathers, to our fathers by the prophets. So here's what it's saying. Listen, long time ago, in different ways, in different shapes and forms, God did speak to us. God speaks. And the way he spoke to our fathers is he spoke to them through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, not, not just a prophet, his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So who is this prophet from Nazareth of Galilee? This prophet is God's son, God's word himself. So who is this, the arrival of the promised king? Well, he's a king in the line of David. He's a prophet of Nazareth of Galilee, but there's more. 
He's a priest. He's a priest who calls the temple my house. I mean, talk about some arrogance of a priest, right? I mean, what arrogance of a priest would say, this is my house. This is my father's house. Why? Begin again, because he was the ultimate high priest. What did a priest do? As a prophet spoke for God, a priest did this. A priest represented God to the people, and a priest represented the people to God. And the, a, a priest would offer up a sacrifice for God's people, for himself and his sins. He'd offer up a sacrifice for his people, saying, God, I'm going to come in, in the name of my people, your people, and I'm going to slaughter this sacrifice. I'm going to bring the blood, and I'm going to ask you, please forgive them, because we are, are people that are, that are, that are wanderers. We, we keep messing up. God, would you accept this sacrifice for us? Would you, you know, we deserve to die, but would you accept the sacrifice that we bring you to cover our sins and to make atonement for us? That's what a priest did. And also he would pray for the people. He would live to pray and say, God, let me intercede for the people. We see that clearly in Moses, who would represent God to the people and the people to God and intercede for them. So here's Jesus, the ultimate priest. And unlike the earthly priest, the difference is he doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for his sins because he's sinless. But a priest usually offers that sacrifice saying, please forgive the people. But in Jesus, this priest, this ultimate priest, he not only offers a sacrifice, mind-blowing, he is the sacrifice. He not only offers the lamb, he is the lamb of God. And he doesn't plead that the blood of an animal or a bull or a goat would cover the sins of his people. He says, I'm going to shed my blood to cover their sins. I'm going to shed my blood to, to purchase them and make them my own. I'm going to die the death that, that they deserve. I'm going to die it for them so that they can have life and life abundantly. This is, this is who is this Jesus? I mean, this is the king in the line of David. I mean, this is, this is ultimately the prophet of, of Nazareth of Galilee, that speaks as God, and this is the ultimate king who calls it his, his own home, the temple his own home, and who offers a sacrifice. This is Jesus, the sinless one, who offers a sacrifice and who is the sacrifice. Now, we've looked at the, what was promised of who this, who this Jesus is, and then we looked at the arrival of who this Jesus is. But let me wrap this up and say, how about the marvel? The marvel of our blessed king. Who is this king Jesus? He weeps over sinners. John, the reason I picked up Luke, the Gospel of Luke 19, 41 and 42, it says again, as he drew near the city, he wept over it. This is Jesus, the friend of sinners. That's what friends of sinners do. And when he sees them broken, and he sees them lost. You know, hit pause. Jesus knew what he was doing. I mean, he knew what he's doing every to, even to the point where he's going to say, hey guys, I want you to go get me a donkey. I want you to go get my ride into town. And you're going to show up and just go, here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go there, there's going to be a donkey there. Untie it, bring it to me. If anybody asks, tell them the Lord needs it. I mean, talk about somebody who's put together all of the details. And Jesus knew that 
although they were singing victoriously Hosanna to the son of David, he knew that what looked like a victory march was really a death march. And he knew that they would be yelling crucify. And he knew that he would be nailed to a Roman cross. He knew that he would have to experience the wrath of the Father. He knew it to the point where he sweated blood thinking about it. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knew how fickle we were. He knew how often we turn from him and forget him. He knows the reality of who we are. And wouldn't he look over the city and bring judgment? Who doesn't look over the city and say, God, rain down fire on them, Father. Look at these people. I mean, look at them. Look at what they have done. I would say if that was the story that Jesus gets to the city, he looks over it and he just calls down curses, I'd say, of course he does. But how in the world does he weep? Because he sees brokenness and it makes him weep. He sees us as lost sheep and it makes him weep. He sees the, 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 the fall and all the things that have happened because of the fall, the pain, the cancer, the separation, the brokenness, the divorce, the abuse, the poverty. He saw it all and he weeps. I, I love, just before this, he raises up Lazarus. And it's an incredible story. And as he raises up Lazarus, remember he gets to the tomb and he sees everybody weeping and what does Jesus do? The shortest verse in all of scripture, Jesus weeps. Jesus wept, actually. And what do the people do? They look and they say, man, wow, he loved him. He loved him. I mean, this Lazarus, he really loved. Why? Because you weep over those that you love. You weep over those in your love that are broken and hurting. And I know you guys have done it. I've seen you weep over your loved ones. And I've wept with you for those that I love. And here you have Jesus who, who communicates love as a guy named Lazarus, who he's going to raise back to life because he loves him so much. Be blown away. Marvel at a Savior who's going to die for them, who weeps over sinners. But he does more than just weep over them. He sheds his blood for them. He does more than just shed tears. He sheds his own blood to say, I love you, and I'm providing salvation for you. He weeps. He weeps over sinners. Not only does he weep over sinners, I love this reality too, he rages over the religious. He weeps over sinners and rages over the religious. What does he do? He goes into the temple. He acts like he owns it because he does. He's, he's looking at the money changers and, and those who were, who were there trying to say, you want to get a sacrifice? We'll sell you this pigeon. We'll sell you this, this lamb. What do you need to do? And he's there, they're not where they're supposed to be. And he goes into the place. He's throwing over the tables. He's knocking over the chairs. I mean, he's clearing out the temple. He's cleansing it. Because why? Because our Savior rages over the religious that aren't in relationship with the Father. For anything that looks or smells like it's a way home that's not. For any sacrifice that they think they could make to atone for their sins. They've made this place a den of robbers. And he goes in and he clears out the place. Because why? Because he owned the temple. Because he says... I'm the true temple. The temple is a place where God uniquely put his name. The temple is a place that, that offered a sacrifice for God's people to a holy God. The temple was a place that God and man met together. And Jesus says, no, no, 
I'm the place where God and man meet together. I am the true sacrifice. There's no more all this system of sacrifice. I'm doing away with it. Why? Because I am enough. I'm going to go and throw these things over. I'm going to replace them. Because why? I am the true sacrifice. Destroy this temple in three days. It'll be rebuilt. Wow. Jesus weeps over sinners. He rages over the religious. He heals the, blame, the, the blind and the lame. They, they came to him. This is not the way it should be. There they are. They, he could speak and heal them. This is the promised king. He's kind and compassionate. You know what a true king uses power for? A true powerful king, he uses power to be kind and compassionate. He uses power to help others. He uses power to heal others. He uses power to make us whole. This is Jesus. Marvel at the fact it says that he spoke the cosmos into existence. This is Jesus who holds all things in, the, in existence right now. This is Jesus who loves you tenderly and passionately, who's going to heal all of our diseases, who's going to cure us by being pierced for us, broken for us, the one who uses power to lift up and to heal us, to make all things new. Marvel at the one who's worshipped by children. It's, it, 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 you get to the story and you, you realize that the religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes, it says this, they saw these wonderful things. Okay, they saw them. They saw all the things. They saw the lame be healed. They saw the blind receive sight. They saw Lazarus come out of the tomb. They saw these wonderful things, what Jesus was doing. And here's what it says. They were indignant. They hated him for it. Man, that's what religion does. Completely misses the Messiah. And what were they also indignant about? That little children would sing his praises. Do you hear these little ones? They were so mad when, when the crowd was singing Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. The Pharisees said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Listen to what they're calling you. They're calling you God. They're calling you the Messiah. And what does Jesus says? Listen, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. That's who our God is. A God who's worthy of praise from children and the fulfillment of Psalm 8. And maybe something in there is this glorious mystery that he says in Mark 10, 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus, who is he? Marvel at him. He's humble and lowly. He comes into town on a borrowed donkey. He's high and holy. God's son. He's the only way for Jesus, the only way for Jesus to save us is he had to be humble and lowly. He had to find us in our worst spots. He had to be accessible. Listen, Jesus has to be accessible to sinners. But it's more than just coming alongside us and make us feel good he's there with us in our misery. He had to be high and holy to lift us out of our condition. Who is this Jesus? Who is this king to you and to me? The cry of Hosanna in the highest on this day became the cry, crucify him, just one week later. What appeared to be a victory parade really in many ways turned out to be a death march. But that death march obtained the, the ultimate victory. Marvel at this blessed king.
the one who fulfills the cry, Hosanna, save us by being crucified for us. This Holy Week, we need to have that childlike faith to see Jesus as he is and praise him. Praise his name. Who is this Jesus to you? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the prophecy that Zechariah had. We thank you for even Psalm 118 that would, would really help provide the words that people would use. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And God, we thank you that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that we have in the Old Testament. That he is the promised coming king in the, in the line of David. That he is the true prophet who will lead us home. He is the true high priest that will offer a sacrifice of his own life that would forgive our sins and make us new. Who is this Jesus? He is the eternal Son of God. He is your only begotten Son. He is the only Savior of sinners and the only hope of this world. Who is Jesus? He has the name that is above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the reality of who he is. God, I beg for the grace and mercy. If there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching online who doesn't know who Jesus is as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, that today would be the day that they would realize that he came to live and to die and be resurrected so that we can have life and life abundantly with you. Thank you for that amazing grace. God, give us, work in us the faith that we need to embrace Christ as our Lord and Savior. God, be gracious to the one who may not have it. Today may be the day that they would reach in faith to you. Would you give us that grace and that mercy? For those of us who know and love you, God, may we truly place you in your rightful place as the King of kings and Lord of lords of our own lives. We pray in his matchless name. Amen.